Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. It's the Bama Online Podcast. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BOL, and it is time for another edition of the T-Watts and TR model of the Bama Online Podcast. How about that? It's been a little while. Tim Watts, site publisher, of course, for us there at BamaOnline.com. Tim, welcome back, my man. Good to be back. I know we've been here for some breaking news, but it's been a while since we just... uh Sat down and flapped her gums about some stuff. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah, just chop some things up. You know, we've uh, had a lot of things going on in the old personal life. Now, are you guys over uh, over at uh, in the Thompson sort of school district there? Uh, you guys back to in class, uh, in person courses over there? Are you still in virtual school? What's going on over there? We started in virtual, and we just decided to stick with it because it's working. Kids' grades are good. They have a rhythm. Um, my wife enjoys working with them. Uh, it's been easy online for them, too. The schools did a good job there, so we're not going to make any decisions till the next semester, um, trying not to trying to keep them in a rhythm that works for everybody, so don't want to mess it up. Do not upset the apple cart, right, when you got a good thing going. I hear you on that. You know, over here in Tuscaloosa, the city schools, they've sort of gone back to this uh, adjusted sort of schedule. But Northridge High School, man, had to forfeit a game for this week uh, because of COVID now. Had a couple positive cases, I think. And now the, the whole football team at Northridge, our nearby high school here, is – is in quarantine, man. I, I guess, though, all in all, what we know about high school football these days, and certainly recruiting a big part of that, um, would you say that it's gone about as well as you could have expected in terms of being able to pull off this high school season uh, here in Alabama, Tim? Yeah, you know, just overall, you know, at some point we were really questioning, and although I try to remain positive, I really had doubts at times that they would play just uh, – just with everything that was happening, I'm talking college football and high school, but high school has been probably the most consistent. We're playing and never really talked about uh, not playing. And then you saw college football, which was, was quite the debacle with the schools canceling and then coming back and, and uh, doing everything they did in the big 12 and the, and the, the pack, whatever they are now. So <laughs> you saw them jump in and, you know, the pack it in is what I, it is. Not the pack 12, the pack it in. I mean, it's so weird. I mean, even when you think you get a breath from it, you had the Tennessee Titans having the COVID pool party and and, <laughs> and probably getting suspended or losing draft picks or who knows what they're going to do to those guys. But this morning they had a couple more positives. So, yeah, uh, the Titans, man, the Titans were like a bad Netflix football movie. Just I'm, having, uh, you know, having uh, informal workouts at parks around a city like Nashville. Like, no one was not going to notice that, Tim. I mean, you've got Ryan Tannehill throwing outcuts in a public park or at a high school, you know, right. in front of God and everybody. Did they really think no one would notice that, Tim? I mean, and then you got, if Ryan was there, all the skilled players were there. That's how that oh, works. Look, there's AJ Brown running a nine route. 
in yeah. NBA. Yeah, nobody will notice that, Tim. And, and that's the thing. Like, if it was a visiting team, it might have, it might have, you might not have been as easily recognized. But Nashville, the Titans, <laughs> they know all those guys' faces. So, I mean, you're right, though. You see an NFL team practicing and throwing a football around, it's not going to slide by anybody. I'm yeah. not I can't get over what they were thinking. A little seven on seven, some shells in the middle of a <laughs> lockdown. Or- it's like the sequel to the replacements or something, you know? I mean, that sort of storyline. I mean, even the bachelorette parties that flood Nashville on a daily basis, even they riding by in limos would say, hey, look, yeah. there's the Titans practicing. <laughs> what are they doing? Pull over. <laughs> what in the world? Yeah, um, I think I- High school football went really well, um, has went really well, knock on wood. And and I would say the same about college. Uh, the NBA did a, did a really good job. And, um, you know, I think everybody's, for the most part, worked hard or figured something out, a way to get sports into play. And I think it was really important for us, too. Can you imagine those sports? No. For Christmas, uh, we've been going crazy. Absolutely. The mental health of the nation in its entirety was sort of hinging on sports in some form or fashion coming back. I'm still having a little bit of a difficult time with major league baseball, you know, playing divisional series at neutral sites. But look, if it works and they're able to get it in, uh, then that's fine. And really it looks like things are sort of even playing out in major league baseball the way you would expect in terms of chalk and the higher seeds looking good early on the Dodgers, the Braves, uh, the Devil Rays, um, those are teams that are looking exceptionally strong here as we move closer to the league championship series. Yeah, we're not too far away. You get a couple of hot skips in the jump, and you could, uh, you can see the Dodgers and the Astros again. Oof. I mean, How about that? A's made a late uh, rally yesterday and tied up the uh, Astros, but Dodgers are up 2-0. The Braves will have something to say about that. The the the, the Padres are just a weird team. I mean, they're out there starting their closers. They had two injuries, uh, a couple of their starting pitchers. So I'm excited, though. The Braves, Travis Darno, a couple home runs, one in each of the first two games of that series with the Marlins. I, I think maybe he's using the Astros garbage can there in Houston. Seems like he knows coming a little bit right now. I didn't know this till yesterday, but he led the uh, – uh, National League, maybe the majors in batting average for a catcher at 313. And yeah, he's got a short swing. I remember when he's a big prospect coming up playing fantasy. You keep your eyes out on those guys. And I remember when he was a hot name. Um, obviously a really good, good ball player, been a good get, get for the Braves. We're going to get into a lot of college football talk here in just a little bit. We're going to get into the Bama Online Roundtable mailbag as well. We always appreciate the input there on the premium message board of choice for Alabama Crimson Tide fans everywhere. But, Tim, I mean, Nate Oates here in early to October, he's making us talk Alabama men's hoops. The commitment this past week of J.D. Davison, the five-star point guard from the Calhoun School there in Lido Hatchie, I guess it is, Alabama. Talk about Talk about the sort of seismic aspect of of a commitment like that to a a program which alabama in past years has picked up some some big name guys just not not too long ago uh colin sexton and even in this most recent class with a guy like josh primo and some others it's it's on the uptick but uh how does this resonate around college basketball and more importantly some some other top prospects out there you know, when you just you know, just from a talent standpoint, JD Davison's high school film is probably as much fun as any Alabama signee I've ever seen. Even you know, seeing him on the travel circuit, AAU circuit, and stuff. I mean, his is this guy. I mean, he he plays above the rim. He can shoot. He's got that look about him. Uh, you just know who he is when he walks on the floor. He's got great hair. He's a he, you know, he's a well-spoken. <laughs> Kid. And I'll tell you, the thing about him, as great as he is on the floor, he might be the best guy Alabama's ever signed. And I know I know, going all the way back to Enos Watley, Bobby Lee, I know that's a huge statement. But I, but I do mean he's he could be among the – Gerald Wallace, the, Tim Watts. Gerald, Gerald Wallace. Moe was a, you know, a fantastic – Antonio McDice. Yeah. Wow. They, they've had some really good ones. But this kid's going to be as exciting as any of them. Um, 
like I said, he can shoot, he runs the floor, he can handle, he plays above the rim, he likes to go to the basket, he likes to, you know, gets a lot of easy buckets. But as big as that is, if you've seen his impact since he's committed, you've seen all of a sudden Alabama surgeon with big name prospects. Um, you know, Jason Holt is a commitment that I think a lot of people now JD should get all the attention right now, but Jason Holt, who committed early, kind of sort of helped Alabama with JD, I think. You know, I've talked to people that thinks that that J.D. wanted to know good players were coming with him. So Holt sort of paved the way a little bit there. And, you know, once again, this is a kid with big size, six, six, a beautiful jump shot. You know, to me, we got him underappreciated from a ranking standpoint, but he can defend. He does a lot of nice things. But since you've seen his commitment, you've started to see Alabama. You know, Alabama's in the top four for Caleb Houston, who's a top 10 player, over at I am at a mountain. Sorry, he's at Mount Verde Academy. I mean, this is another guy, top ten player in the country. JD's tenth, and and Caleb would be ninth. Who's looking at Alabama? He cuts his list of four, and Alabama's in. And also, you hear Charles, and I'm going to butcher this last name. I'm sure, so I apologize to his mom when I see her. But Charles Bidiaco, I think that's uh-huh. close. He's a top thirty prospect as well. Another kid, six foot eleven. Center prospect, real thin kids, more of a, you know, I wouldn't say he's a project, but his best basketball is ahead of him. He's an impact, impact guy, especially defensively, especially on the board. So what you're seeing with J.D. is this, like, trickle-down effect. And, I mean, it can carry over even further. I mean, J.D. is very, uh, you know, I know he's friends with McKinstry. Um, the, I mean, the one guy's called Kool-Aid, the defensive back from Pinson Valley. That could have an effect. I know that all these guys talk from the AAU circuit. So the uh, rippling of the butterfly effect could be so it worked to Alabama's favor in a big way. Yeah, that's interesting how, you know, we often equate it to football because, well, we cover Alabama athletics. But and you did you've done this at the grassroots level uh, for for many years on the basketball side. Uh, I'm guessing just based on numbers. Uh, that you you have in basketball that are smaller compared to football is it even more fraternal in terms of the relationships, uh, Tim, and the crossing of paths that these guys have on the on the various circuits that they're a part of? Yeah, I think you know the thing about that makes AAU basketball fantastic that I loved is that the games itself are fun for the most part. You get a lot of big time matchups, but it's also sitting in the stands. And I remember sitting there with, you know, Ron Steele, DeMarcus Cousins. I could name 50 guys where I was sitting watching a basketball game. And those kids would come up and sit down, uh, sit down with me and say, who are we watching? And or they would know who they were watching. And they would sit there and you'd see all the teammates gathering. And, yeah, it's a good way. You know, it's not like me and you. You know, when we grew up, we knew six people outside of our city probably. And now these kids just have a long-lasting effect. They know each other and each different states because travel teams will be made up of kids from several different states. So there's a lot of connections here, um, uh, threads that connect these kids together that, you know, that, that, that is good when you can have them come in and, and, and pull together and recruit, you know, have JD and Jason Holt recruit for Alabama, which will help the staff. Now we, we know of course, Davison is a, is an in-state prospect, but I mean, we're seeing this staff with Nate Oates, recruit on a national level and so i'm going to ask you the question how is this happening i mean brian hodgson obviously uh antoine petway oats i'm guessing uh a big part of all this but from canada to central alabama well we're seeing this staff do some remarkable things on the recruiting trail what do you attribute this to tim you know i think it's just that hustle you have that plan you see at, in any sport, at any level, the successful recruiters are the guys that are organized, that are attacking. To me, it's always been one of the smartest things, you know, when it comes to recruiting is when to know when to cut your loss and move on to the next prospect. I think Alabama does a really good job of figuring out who they're actually in it for. And, you know, like I said, with Caleb Houston, he's a kid that's narrowed it down to four uh, Charles Bediaco is going to narrow it down to five Saturday, and I think Alabama is going to be in there. So they're figuring out who to focus on, and I just think it's hustle and connections, obviously, from 
from being up in New York and Buffalo that they had a lot of connections close to Canada. So they obviously had, a, had, a, had been working a lot of sources. And let's be honest, when you're at Buffalo, you really have to get after it. So, you know, you paved that way. And in state, obviously, Antoine Petway, I mean, you know, we wrote a really good story about him this week. You can't say enough about Antoine Petway from a walk on. And, you know, I saw him in high school and, you know, he, he walks on, he, you know, the game winner against Florida. He's been here. Is this three staffs he's been here for? Yeah, he's pretty much uh, weathered it. Yes, um, he's been here for three. Throughout. It's hard to remain on a staff. You know, usually they bring all their guys in. So that just tells you Antoine Petway does a great job in state. Brian Hodgson, the kids really like him. He does a good job. And, of course, Nate Oates, very hands-on with these kids. Um, and he can, you know, he can sing it, as they used to say. He can, he can sing it. He knows how to recruit. And, you know, this isn't exactly the Hickory Huskers style of basketball we're talking about here, right? I mean, it is a fun style. Uh, it's a high-scoring style. And it, there's a lot of freedom that that you have in, in the in the way that uh, Nate Oates likes to play basketball. I mean, you're going to defend that. That's that's not a negotiable. Uh, but being able to play the way that Nate Oates likes to play, it has to be huge with these guys. You know, and these kids are. You know, the thing I can't get over is how long this team is. Last year, they uh, signed five guys, and then they've got the uh, transfer who's finally eligible, and Jordan Bruner. But none of all these guys are six foot six or above. I mean, that's a lot of size. And these are guys that can run the floor and defend. And this year they get Jason Holt, who's another one that fits in that mold that can that can, you know, this guy's a pure shooter. They got shooters, they got athletes, they're heavily involved. The athlete, Langston Wilson, who's a junior college player in Georgia, and this guy's a jumping jack. He's a pogo stick. Uh, six nine runs the floor, defends, does all those things too. So what they're getting is like almost a smothering when it comes to size. And then they get a guy that can distribute like JD, who can you can handle that point. And you know he's going to have his you know his hands going to be the ball's going to be in his hands a lot. So, so they're putting a lot. I'm gonna, I'm really excited to see what this team this team does this year and next year. Yeah, you know, and, and here's the deal uh, because of the Davison commitment and the justified excitement. And buzz in its immediate wake, you know, you sort of lose sight, at least momentarily, of what this team could be as early as this season. Yes. You know, with Javon Quinterly. Uh, Javon Quinterly has a chance to be one of the very best point guards in the SEC, if not the entire country. And from a schedule standpoint, we're going to find out about this team early. The Maui Invitational has been moved to the Asheville area now. And no, we're going to have a chance to see this team against Stanford right out the gates. We're going to have a chance to see it potentially against North Carolina, maybe Indiana in that event. So, uh, you know, this isn't a situation where you're you're kind of sitting on your hands for a year. There's the potential for a lot of excitement this year. Oh yeah, there's I, that. You know, you bring up a good point. Asheville is one of our favorite cities. And then you're going to get that tournament that early, you know, with a lot of people. I mean, I don't know how they're going to do the crowds. Have they determined how they're going to do the crowds in basketball? Not yet, but, you know, God, you know what? I mean, we're only like a month and a half out sitting here today. So with guidelines being what they are, I'd be surprised if in an indoor situation there's much of a crowd and if there is, and you see North Carolina potentially in the second round of that event, you know there's going to be a lot of Carolina blue in, at that place. That's what I was going to say. And it's going to give Alabama has a chance in that tournament if the cards fall right to get a little bit of the feel for the SEC tournament, the NCAA tournament, and to be a tough road game. Like you said, it's going to be hard to get a ticket from those North Carolina fans in, in Asheville. So that tournament could benefit them greatly as they go into the SEC schedule as they work to the NCAA tournament. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. All right, Tim, let's get into some football talk. Um, we'll circle back to some football recruiting as we move through the podcast today. But just wanted to get your thoughts on this Alabama team through two games, the Crimson Tide, of course, 2-0 and following wins over Missouri and Texas A&M. Uh, give me an area of this team, Tim, that in the preseason – you know, there, there, there might have been a, a high billing, um, a lot of buzz about, um, 
and you feel like it's played out, it sort of lived up to that billing, a, a potential aspect, a specific aspect of this team that uh, has sort of lived up to that. Yeah, I think it's the passing game. You know, we talked and we, we you know, we talked about this in the offseason several times. Uh, you know, a lot of, you know, there was a certain percentage of the fan base that thought Bryce was just going to come in and take this job for Mac Jones. We disagreed. You know, um, you know, we said over and over that Mac is a competitor. He doesn't back down. He's not scared. I think it's especially with the spring being missed and then, the you know, you know, Bryce missing some of the uh, practices leading up to the season. I think it really put him behind the eight ball. But even so, I don't think. Mac was giving this job up either. Either this is a talented guy; he's confident. Teammates love him, so the passing game's been everything we thought it would be. I mean, we were wondering who that third receiver would step up and be, and we've seen Michi come out of blue, out of the blue. Should have had, could have had another touchdown in that game last week. So you're seeing a lot of talented guys. So that passing game, to me, is everything we thought it would be. What about an area of this team that? is still a work in progress and perhaps an area where you're not entirely done in terms of competition uh, that, that that's carried over into the season and uh, perhaps even in a couple of three weeks might look different and uh, be performing at a higher level than it is right now. Yeah. You know, I still think the defensive line has a chance to step up. I mean, they, I know they're, you know, Barmore came in and I thought was disruptive, which isn't a huge surprise. That's a big old boy who, who knows how to run around, you know, run around the field, sometimes goes to the wrong places. But could Barmore have him back? I think he'll push him a little bit. You keep looking, waiting for somebody else to step up because uh, there's a lot of talent on that line. There's not the, you know, the, the one thing this team's missed the last two years, there hasn't been that big-time future top-ten type defensive lineman that Alabama seemingly had forever with Quinnen and, you know, going Jonathan Allen and, you know, you go all the way back to all of those guys. You can just keep naming them back. They haven't really had that guy step up. There was hope it was going to be Barmore. He looks like he's a little bit out of shape. I think he's playing his way into shape, but he was quick. That's a quick, disruptive guy. I still hope that front seven has a little more to say about that defense in the season. I think they'll get better as they go along. Um I think Anderson's obviously going to get better as he goes along. And um, there's just a lot of athletes that need to get to that quarterback. Now, I will say the two teams Alabama's played, it, they weren't really dropping back and throwing deep balls. I don't know how you go deep. Not not often, no. It was uh, very much the quick game and, yeah, and uh, trying to get the ball out of his hands. Yeah, Missouri was that way. Get that ball out of there. Don't give him a chance to get up on him. So they haven't really faced a team that's going to drop back and pass. And um, we'll see that a little bit this week. We definitely see it against Georgia. So uh, I think they'll have a little bit better chance to get to the quarterback. How about Malachi Moore? And his emergence, obviously, between he and Brian Branch, a couple of true freshmen that we heard a lot about in the preseason. And, you know, Moore has really emerged at that star position. And, you know, I'm not quite to the point where I expect Brian Branch in some form or fashion to eventually become more of a factor on the back end with an emphasis probably on. Well, one of two spots, actually. I, I could see Brian Brand still factoring into this thing at safety and or the money position in the dime, uh, Tim. But your your level of surprise or non-surprise when it comes to, to more and maybe the expectation for for Branch to take on more of that moving forward. Um, you know, I'd say, you know, we heard so many great things about Branch. And, I, you know, I've said this before on the message board. I don't think. Malachi playing ahead of Brian has anything to do with Brian. I think Moore just understood the defense, you know, uh, really well. Saban got Saban's trust. I know Saban's a big fan of his and sort of that's his, you know, Saban always finds guys he's really partial to. And I think Malachi is one of those. I agree. Branch is going to get in there and play. Now we heard early on the buzz with Branch was fantastic. And to be honest, I haven't heard anything different. I mean, I've heard Brian Branch is an athlete. He's a football player everything out it could be as simple as figuring out that defense and assignments and you know how important that is especially on the back end for Saban so but you know for me it's more about you know Malachi just stepping up and and to me it's a good sign if you're an Alabama fan that you know Brian Branch did so well but Malachi who we did start talking about closer 
to the, as the season progressed, that Malachi was, was doing really well. Um, I think it's a good sign that you got two young DBs back there, but it's going to be hard. Brian Branch is a playmaker. That's a guy that if you watch his high school film and he finds the ball, offense, defense, special teams, that guy finds the ball and does things with it. So at some point, I think you're going to see it because he is one of the best athletes in that, in that secondary. So let's get into some recruiting talk. You alluded to, to Quincy McKinstry earlier, the five-star corner, also a basketball player of some note there at Pinson Valley High School. I guess we got some news from him here in the last week or so in terms of a commitment date uh, later in the month. And uh, I guess we're down to really two or three schools at this point for Quincy McKinstry, Tim. Yeah, he's committing on Sunday, the 25th of October, uh, down to Alabama, Auburn, and LSU. I think that, uh, you know, I think LSU's on the outside looking in, to be honest with you. I think it's more Alabama, Auburn. I think it's been that way most of the time, especially with him, um, you know, you know, wanting to stay close to home and having more time to focus on those two schools, not really leaving the state to visit LSU. So, uh, you know, this one's ebbed and flowed a lot. This one's been – I know Alabama fans have, have circled um, McKinstry Street early in the process as a must-have. Don't get me wrong. It's a five-star kid. And in-state, he's a defensive back and, and all that good stuff. So I know it was a priority. Auburn did the same thing. Auburn's told him he could play basketball and he could play uh, wide receiver. He could play cornerback. He could play center field. He can be the goalie on the soccer team. Uh, yeah. Both teams are, you know, this kid's diverse. Right guy. lead on the equestrian team at Auburn. Absolutely. Yeah. Lead golfer, tee off guy. They, uh, I don't even know what that is. Who tees off first? Is that the lead off? Uh, that's your number one guy. Yeah, usually. Well, I, yeah, it can go either way. You're, you, you can have your top guy as the one or your anchor at number five, but we'll, we'll do a podcast on that another day. That guy needs a name, though. Lead off, tee off. That's what I'm going to. Call them. <laughs> Alabama and Auburn, I think. LSU's still fighting, so it's, I don't think you can completely rule them out. But I'd be surprised right now if he left the state. With that said, this thing's ebbed and flowed a good little bit. I thought he was pretty close to coming to Alabama back in April. There was discussion the last few months that, that he, he might have been leaning to Auburn. I don't think the kid really keeps his hand very well. Um, very much, I should say. I think he sort of kept it quiet, and he's been – um, he's just, you know, hasn't, you know, I think he's been friendly and open to every school. I mean, he's shown all three of those schools some love during the season and cleats wearing towels or whatever it may be. So I think Alabama's still in a dog fight with this thing three weeks to go. I think it's probably looking a little better. Probably have to feel a little bit better than you did a few weeks ago. I know Auburn's a little bit worried. I know LSU's concerned. So both think Alabama are in it big time. I agree Alabama's in it big time, but I still think there's a little ways to go here. So, Tim, is it looking more like a defensive side of the ball close to this 2021 class for Alabama, or, or could there still be some balance there between offense and defense? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, they, they put together so, a really such a good class, and um, I think there's a little bit of balance. I think Nick Saban said there was three spots. I find that really hard to believe, although I believe – Nick's an honest man for the most part. I just can't believe with all this talent out there that they're only going to sign three more. So I'm still putting the number probably at five or, you know, at that range. But, you know, you look at a defensive back, they definitely want a defensive back. They would like two. They're also involved with Terry and Arnold, who's a fantastic prospect from Florida. You look at uh, the defensive line. They've got a number of good prospects left on the defensive line where they might want to add one. Brian Thomas, you know, they've got a great wide receiving class, probably the top three guys in Florida, but they would like to add Brian Thomas, who's a top 30 type prospect, the wide receiver from Louisiana. So it's really just going to come down to the who falls where. And you know how Nick Saban does this. You know, the fans will go crazy. He'll choose an Eddie Jackson over a Von Bell and a Jalen Ramsey. And, you know, we'll, some fans will get upset looking at the rankings. But those guys usually pan out all right. So I think this is a lot of to, to be determined. Um, Kool-Aid, if they get him, would be a big chip, a big relief uh, for that staff, though. The in-state five-star, the kind of football equivalent, I guess you could say, of J.D. Davison. 
for this upcoming cycle. We're going to take a quick break here on the Bama Online Podcast. Travis Schreier and Tim Watts with you. When we come back, we're going to delve into that roundtable mailbag. Oof. So many options from which to choose. We always appreciate the input there. We'll do that more on the Bama Online Podcast right after this. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices... Well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Back with more of the BOL podcast. As always, we appreciate you joining us here on the pod. If you haven't already, how about a subscription to the BAM Online podcast? It's free. It's as simple as a click or maybe two. And you can do it wherever you consume your podcast, whether that's Stitcher iTunes, Google Play, Megaphone, you name it, you can become a part of the Bama online podcast team. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BOL, joined by site publisher Tim Watts. Tim, you ready to get in that mailbox and get this uh, get this thing fired up? Absolutely. I love the fans giving us these, uh, the publisher, the subscribers giving us these questions. I know I didn't even look at them the last three times because I wanted to be surprised. Well, you're you're gonna you're gonna get a surprise or two, I think, in that's these. Pro- that's probably a bad idea, but nevertheless, <laughs> you guys send them in. We appreciate it. Oh, screen free these questions for Tim Watts. Uh, Ghost of Bryant starts us off with: uh, Can we give an update on the plan for renovating Coleman Coliseum? Is the university still moving forward? How long until? And also, he asks: How long until the college basketball elites come gunning for our head coach? Nate Oates. As far as Coleman Coliseum, uh, there is still a plan in place for the renovation of Coleman. Uh, I think with everything that has gone down here in the last seven or eight months with the COVID-19 situation and how that's certainly financially impacting not only universities, uh, the University of Alabama, but universities and athletic departments everywhere, um, I think that's more of a, a TBD, to be determined now exactly when uh, you'll see that move along at a faster pace. I think there's probably going to need to be some patience there with Coleman, and understandably so. The Crimson Standard uh, Foundation or the Crimson Standard fundraising campaign uh, initiative still very much in play. But again, uh, in these uncertain times, considering when that plan was rolled out and what has happened since, uh, you, you might need to be a little bit patient, Ghost of Bryant, with uh, how that goes forward. Uh, Tim, what about Nate Oates? Um, and Ghost of Bryant, can we at least have a couple of years with this guy before we start talking about him leaving? But I guess when you consider, especially at this point, what he's been able to get done at Alabama on the recruiting trail, um, it, it will be interesting. You know, and, and here's the thing, Tim. I think Alabama is more than willing to make as much of a commitment to him and basketball as he possibly can. And, yes, I understand Coleman is a, a big part of that. But uh, in terms of what is doable, I, I don't see Greg Byrne in Alabama not putting as much into men's basketball Alabama, at Alabama as it possibly can. No, I agree. I mean, of course, you know, it's – it's uh it, you know, I think as a fan, you start worrying ahead. I still think, you know, Nate Oates is, is, had a good reputation coming here. I think Alabama showed some uh, good forethought, some vision in, in signing him and, and, and bringing him to Alabama. I do think he will have offers down the road. I think that's inevitable. I think the staff's, you know, is just that good. 
I'm assuming we see the results on the basketball court. I believe we will. So, yeah, I mean, there will be teams coming after him. But I agree with you. I mean, you get a guy like this, a young guy, an energetic guy, sort of matches up with that football staff. I know they're in communication with the football and basketball staffs. Talk and, you know, the the, the basketball staffs did some work on uh, McKen Street, I mean, uh, to, to help out the football staff. So I think what you've got is a guy that could end up being a top priority and, you know, just about, I think Alabama can make him a healthy offer, you know, and also when you're a Nate Oates, you don't really have to run off and grab another job. You know, it'd have to be, you know, I don't know his version of a dream job, but I think it would have to be a pretty high level job uh, to beat the best Alabama has to offer. You know, and we've seen some coaches at Alabama in the past that football sort of worked against in terms of their preference, you know, some guys, let's be honest, in, in that job that Oates is in, they, they can't handle the presence of football in the shadow that it casts. But he has absolutely embraced it, and he is very much on record as being a huge fan of Nick Saban. And he is showing you that he's more than willing to go out there and and try to match the success and the the greatness really uh, of the football program so yeah i agree if if the wins start to show up on the on the basketball court um you know there there will be suitors and really isn't that what you want if you're a fan no it is you know it is you go through this with football every year with the griping because there's turnover with coaching staffs that's the ultimate compliment that's what you want you don't want it's hard. It's hard. I mean, Clemson's obviously a very rare situation. It's hard to look at the same assistants for 10 straight years at any football staff if they've been successful. So that's what you want. You want people after your guys. How many people have wanted Saban while he's been at Alabama? If they don't want your coach, you've got the wrong coach. Yeah, absolutely. Ronnie Bismuth on the roundtable asks, will Mac Jones go pro after this year? And open up the job for Bryce Young. Um, we're two games into this. I, I'm going to give Mac a, a little more time to work. I don't know about you, Tim, and I can envision Mac Jones as an NFL quarterback at some point down the road. Um, but but I think in the eyes of NFL evaluators, uh, I think no matter what happens this year. In their opinion, he's probably going to need at least another year uh, as a part of his development and his growth. So what do you think about Mac Jones? If he continues, I mean, he's 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 headed towards a, a borderline historic season if he keeps this up in terms of yards per game, things like that, passing yards per attempt. Um, how do you see this big picture-wise, understanding there is still a ton of that can play out this season. Assuming he finishes out this year the way he started, I think he. I think he's going to be on draft boards. I mean, you look at the NFL. If you watch that crap I watch, there's there's not 32 NFL quarterbacks in that league. I guess no. Sure. Um, and, and certainly, I mean, if you look at the history of John Parker Wilson, Greg McElroy, AJ McCarron, you know, you know, some of them get holding the clipboard a couple of years. AJ's made it a little bit longer than some others. He's certainly a guy that can make an NFL team. Probably not. I mean, especially with this guy still having two years of eligibility. You look at the draft, you've seen Jake Fromm drop to the fifth round, where sort of I think he projected it's very similar to AJ, although people were putting him number one, which was insane. But they also saw Jalen Hurts go in the second round, although you know they haven't used him a lot yet. So those quarterbacks, man, you never know what you're going to get. I think he's an NFL quarterback. And, you know, one thing to consider if I'm Mac, and this is complete speculation, is I've got a great offensive line. I've got Najee. I've got two first-round wide receivers. If they go and I come back, it's a total different setup. So this could come down to striking while the iron's hot. And, you know, but Mac seems like a pro, a college guy to me. You know, we used to kid around about Damian Harris, how Nick Saban had to grab him by the ankle and drag him off campus, or he'd still be there. Some kids just love college. And Max seems to really enjoy it um, and a competitive kid. So I think, uh, you know, I think he could could be on draft boards at some point. I mean, when you look at the draft every year, you're seeing what three guys, you know, this year it's going to be Trey Lance from North Dakota State. You're seeing Justin Fields. Um, 
I guess Kevin Newman's still a first round pick. Is that still Trevor a Lawrence? Yeah. Is Kevin yeah. Newman still a first round pick? Is that a thing, Travis? Or who's that? A kid from Georgia who I oh. remember. Oh, he Jamie, Jamie Newman. Jamie. Yeah. I no, I, I I don't think he's going to be a first round guy. That's um, the, that is the weirdest situation I've ever seen. He was draft eligible out of Wake Forest. Went to Georgia. Was projected in the first round in a Heisman legitimate Heisman candidate had good odds and then Jamie opted out. So I don't know what, what's going to happen in that draft. So, I mean, you know, Matt might be the fourth best quarterback in that draft. He could be, you know, and look, I think you touched on some of that too with what's the value in coming out this year. If you're not going to be a first round pick in your Mac Jones, big picture wise, if we're going to talk branding at an individual level, at a personal level, is it better for your big-picture brand to be a multi-year starting quarterback at Alabama? Or is it better to be a one-year starter at quarterback at Alabama and, say, a third- or fourth-round pick in the NFL? I would think multi-year starter at Alabama would carry more big-picture weight. And, you know, you got to consider the individual that's making the decision. And, you know, Mac's a smart guy. I think you said it. Mac enjoys college football. Who wouldn't, especially at a place like Alabama, when you're the starting quarterback? And, um, you know, and I, I sort of go back to Tim Tebow in all this. You know, Tim Tebow got it. Tim Tebow stayed at Florida until they told him he had to leave, Tim. And he still worked out as a first-round pick. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's the thing, you know, with Mac, and we're completely speculating because it could come down. Sure. I mean, this thing could change on the button. I mean, if Matt <laughs> week to week, yeah, I get some kind of first round grade, you know, in December, we're going to be having a much different you know, conversation than we are now. But it's been fun watching him. I still think, you know, he still under throws some throws. If you're nitpicking him, um, he's surrounded with so much talent. But he makes some some damn throws that are incredible. That throw against Missouri to Jalen Waddle of all people, who's so small, over those two DBs in the back of that end zone. That's about as good as throw as I've seen at Alabama. So um, that kid does some some really nice thing, and he's getting better and better. The bigger test, we should revisit this after Georgia because yeah. that's going to be a great defense. That's going to be a good heated game. And, you know, if, you know, if he struggles there, we might have a little different opinion. If he does really well against the dogs, we might have a different opinion. So absolutely. Yeah, it is a good question, but, uh, you're talking about a Georgia defense right now. That's allowing just 4.8 yards per pass attempt. And so that will certainly be the litmus test for the offense one week from Saturday here in Tuscaloosa. Um, Ronnie also wants to know. Uh, best new show to stream. You're kind of our expert here on the podcast when it comes to that. With all this sports converging this time of year, I haven't been as up to speed on the streaming. So pretty much have to defer to you here, Tim. Uh, what do you got for Ronnie in I'll that regard? I've got a new show, but a lot of the guys on the roundtable recommended Vikings, and we're about to close that off. It's been a really it's been a really good show. The, the second season of The Boys – on Amazon Prime has been really good. And to be honest with you, there hadn't been a whole lot of new streams. I'm actually going back to stuff I've never seen, like uh, The Big Bang Theory. I found that on HBO Max, which is really funny, um, especially if you watch the young Sheldon show about the, the the main character as a kid. So really, I went back and watched some of the shows I've missed in the past. I haven't seen a whole lot of new shows. I'm assuming it's they, they, couldn't, they couldn't film a whole lot. Um, oh, I will tell you, Travis, you definitely need to watch. It's on FX. You for sure want to watch it. And if you got Hulu, it's on it. The new Fargo. It stars okay. Fox. It's 19. 19- yeah, I saw yeah. that. I, I do want to check that out. It's a good period piece. It's 1950s. Uh, I think it's Kansas City gangsters. I mean, it's got nice. Chris Rock's really good as a serious. Love Chris Rock. Yeah, yeah, he's really good. You know, Chris Rock's good at being funny, but at being, you know, I wasn't sure what Chris Rock would be like is a little bit, little bit gangster, but he's been really good. The whole show is good. It's a period piece. There's four seasons overall of Fargo. And what I like about Fargo is they have seasons, but it's really like the show true detective that each season is his own entity. So it doesn't carry over. You don't have to see one to see two or two to see three. 
or three to see four. You can just hop in there. But Fargo, that's a show I'd highly recommend. You know, it probably doesn't count as streaming. It's more on demand. But Treme uh, is a series that I didn't really pay enough attention to during its original run. Of course, based there in New Orleans and based on the aftermath from Katrina uh, HBO show. Uh, but I've gotten back into that here of late. I have done that. Yellowstone, I'm already ready for season four. I wish they could go ahead and run that out there right now. Uh, there's some things I'm anticipating, okay, when it comes to shows. Um, the Righteous Gemstones, oh. I, I need it. I need it to get here ASAP. Um, so I'm more in more in a, a, a holding mode with some of these programs, but Tim always – Tim's always got you covered, man, and always some great threads, by the way. Yeah, a lot of times, you know, since I work from home, I'll put on a show in the background and watch it as I work. Um, that's how I catch up on shows or, you know, you know, it's usually the simpler shows. You can't really get into a, a really deep um, show while you're trying to work. But to me, that's that white noise in the background. I mean, all I have is family, TV, movies, and sports. That's about the three things <laughs> I do. I don't have any. I I smoke a cigar, but I never drank. I never got into drugs. That's my addictions or sports and movies, I think. There you go. Bama Barn 17 on the roundtable asks, how great can this 2021 basketball recruiting class be for Nate Oates? And has any school finished number one in both football and basketball recruiting, I guess, Bama Barn is asking here, I, you know, the latter part of that, would that be, would that have to be maybe Florida? Um, when you had Billy Donovan on the basketball side in Gainesville, I, I, I can't, I can't recall a school that's done both. See, that's a good, I was going to think it wasn't even that close, but that David Lee class. Yeah. Um, that's back to back national titles. So it was a pretty elite group as well. So, Florida, I mean, it's really hard now because Duke, North Carolina, you got a couple of guys hogging the top five players every year. Yeah, Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Alabama, no matter what they do, will be able to get to number one because I think Duke will have more guys. Now, if Alabama gets Bidiaco, Caleb Houston, Langston Wilson, guys like that, um, I think they'll definitely be a top five class. Let me tell you, top five class is plenty. Top five class when you're dealing with Duke, North Carolina, and all those, uh, Kentucky, and all those great programs. Tennessee's got good players, too. Basketball rankings aren't like football. Alabama has J.D. Davison committed and just saw on hold, and they're 29th in the country, which I think most coaching staffs in the world will tell you that's crazy as hell, that that's much better. There's not 28 classes better. If you just sign J.D., there's not going to be 28 classes better. Uh, last year, they signed five really good guys, ended up 12. So I think you're looking more, you know, for a top five class. If they got number one, it would be it would be incredible. But it's going to be hard with Duke up there splitting all those. You know, they'll get Duke's going to get two, maybe three of those top five guys, I'm guessing. I think they've got one or two already. Yeah, I mean, it's almost in ink before you even get cycles going with, as you said, Duke and Kentucky, especially. Uh, up there at the top of that list. Ghost Charter on the roundtable. He's got multiple questions for us. Uh, your first beer, what was that? Uh, what did that consist of? Maybe a brand. Uh, and you just said you don't drink. So, Tim Watts, have you never sipped upon uh, a beer at any point in your life? I should say I rarely drink. Okay. I shouldn't right. say I never drink. No, I had two older brothers. They were 17, 16 years <laughs> older than me. Believe me, I've, I've tasted beer. And, uh, my brothers were from that Woodstock era and love them. They were so different. I remember my brother yelling at me, do not break that. It's worth $1,400. It was a bong from Asia. It was a bong from Asia. Oh, jeez. Me and my brother just slinging a football around in his living room like it was nothing. I had that brother, too. I had that older brother, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one. So they were like, hey, try this. And they gave me gold, gold, cold coffee. And I never drank coffee till I was like 41 years old. It tasted so bad. It made me sick. But of course, they gave me beer. I do like a good Long Island iced tea or a Corona with lime. That's uh-huh. two things I'll do. I have to be in the mood in the right setting. I'm just not the guy that can come home 
And my dad did it. It bothered me. Come home, take his socks off, sit in his recliner. He had to have a beer. He just had such a rough day. He needed a beer. And uh, I just never wanted to be that stressed. I I had that older brother like you had, you know, the guy, the brother that, you know, like makes homemade wine, you know, and stuff like that. Uh, and has Motley Crew going on the turntable about six or seven hours out of the day. I had that older brother, and then my dad, uh, he he introduced me to beer at a very young age because my dad was like your dad. He'd come home from work. He had a front porch swing, still has it, and he would immediately go to that front porch swing with an ice-cold Natty Light. So I'm going to guess my first beer was very young and involved natural light. Now my first beer really throwdown was as a high school student at a USFL game in the mid eighties with my dad, no surprise there. And, you know, I had that friend, like we all had Tim that despite being a sophomore in high school, had a full beard and looked like he was 37 years old. I know those guys. So we were able to buy the Miller lights at the Jacksonville Bulls game back in like 84. And so my dad makes the deal. You guys fly, I'll buy. So we ended up, you know, at a Monday night USFL game with school the next day, just wearing out the Miller lights. And it didn't work so well for me at school the next day, you know, coming off those. But that's the, ah, that's the big beer formative years memory um ghost charter also wants to know how our cardio is doing how's your cardio in the midst of this pandemic tim no mine's good i uh especially i'm probably hit or miss when it comes to cardio i'll I'll take a week off and a week on but i i get out and get something done every day um i'll go walking after this podcast i'll you know i'll you know i'll listen to you know some podcasts i'll listen check the boards it's pretty easy to get away it wasn't always that way you remember when we couldn't leave the oh man and we were married to it. That's why we hire new guys. I just want to <laughs> in the front when they gripe about. You know what happened? I'm with my wife Tuesday at noon at a movie, and a kid committed. I'm like, I'm a future ass. I had to leave my kid's birthday parties to break stuff, boy. You know, man, we were breaking. Hey, listen, we had Chris Keys flipping from LSU Chris. to Alabama on Christmas night. So Christmas. They'll, they'll tell us about that. All right. Uh, yeah, every 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 one of my kids' birthdays has had a commitment, and it wasn't that bad. I mean, you know, yeah. you know, we could basically celebrate their birthday whenever we want, but it's a little bit startling. But I'm getting my walking in, um, working out three or four times a week with dumbbells and stuff. Still doing. How about you? I'm about the same. You know, I'm in that in that early 50s routine. I'm that I've become that old man walks around the neighborhood with a golf club. You know, like he's going to bludgeon. Uh, a moose or something if it jumps out in front of him uh, a tiger a bingle or something that's pretty much me I walk around the neighborhood guy and i got the little hand weights you know so i mix in some some uh some toning there i guess but yeah i, I think i'm pretty much in the the same boat as you your boy your go ahead no go ahead your boy jam bama oh yeah um you know yeah. we were we were going to talk about today also if you had to pick one fast food burger for the rest of your life where would it be from uh jam bama says in and out is the only correct answer otherwise we're dead to him um what about it one fast food burger and and i'm an i like in and out burger but there's no in and out burger in tuscaloosa right so in terms of what's accessible to us, if you had to pick one fast food burger for the rest of your life, what are, what are you doing, Tim? First of all, I'll never believe Jam will be done with us. Let's be clear. <laughs> we got him. Jam is ride or die for life, so I have no concerns there. It won't be a popular pick, probably, but it makes the most sense to me. I would go with the uh, the Big Mac. Oh wow! I've loved them when I was a kid. Uh, if if I'll tell you this, it is so addictive for me. Not addictive. Is it the sauce? Do you like it, the, I mean, the Thousand a Island? Sauce. Is that it? It's soft bread. It's, you can squish it. It's a good mixture with lettuce, tomatoes. The song. I mean, I saw a whole special. <laughs> I saw some. Does special. it play in your head while you eat it? The, no, the jingle? Yes. My wife will laugh. She'll, she'll come in and tell I can see it in a movie 
and have to, and I'll text the kids, like whoever's out, like, hey, bring me a Big Mac. And I'll eat it. I, I won't even be hungry. I'll just eat. It's like um, it's like, like they've hypnotized me. But I saw some dude who had eaten like 20,000 of them. He's on wow. documentary. And by now, it's probably 30. I think it was that movie Super Size Me, that documentary. Oof, yeah. Uh, this dude eats four or five a day and was skinny as a rail, which is obviously, which huh. is obviously not the direction I'd be going after 20,000. But he, uh, I go with the Big Mac. I just, you know, it reminds me of youth. I've always liked it. It's easy. Um, and it's not, it's, it's a little bit different than everything else. You talked about youth and formative years. And that's what, this is another one of those things that it goes back to, right? Nostalgia as much as anything. Really how we were sold on it from a, a very young age. Now, you know, if I can only have one order of French fries for the rest of my life, I'm going to go with McDonald's, those French fries. And even I don't know what it is McDonald's does to its fountain drinks, but like its fountain Coke is the best in the world. You know, I, I don't know what they do to it, but it's special. Um, but if it's just a burger, you know, growing up, we lived about two blocks behind a Burger King. So that flame broil smell would every morning encompass and em- envelop like the neighborhood, the entire neighborhood. No, and so right. pretty much every afternoon, if I didn't have football practice or golf practice or something else at like three fifteen, right after school, I was immediately at the Burger King getting a Whopper with cheese all the way, onion rings and a Dr. Pepper. You know, so it, it it would be for I like the flame broil, you know, process, Tim. That's what gets I me. I think, you know, no, and yeah, I think they still do it. I, I, and that, that's another question. How long has it been since you've had a Big Mac? Have you had one recently? I haven't had a Whopper in in at least a couple of years. I need to make that happen. If you ask me in about two hours, I'll be able to tell you. <laughs> ago. That's about my thought process right now. Uh, but uh, oh, it's been, I'm trying to think less time, you know, haven't really did a lot of fast food during the, the COVID. Um, I love sneaky Pete's hot dogs. That's usually something I'll, I'll yeah. splurge on. Um, but it's been, it's been before COVID. So it's been a while. I told the wife the other day, I said, I got a Whopper in my future. I don't know what it is, man, but I've had a little bit of a hankering for one. You know, about a year ago, I hadn't had a crystal burger. In, in a now couple that, of years. That, that is what I've had recently. The kids love those. They'll get a, I'll say, don't get me any. You know, I'm trying to eat right during the week. And they'll say, okay. And then they come in with 40. And I'm like, well, you're not <laughs> eat them. All those things can't go to waste. It's a long. Oh, man. Crystal cheese with extra ketchup. You oh, jeez, man. Like, kills me. People like hate 2.30 a.m. food, though. Yes, absolutely. Gut bombs. 2.38 somewhere whenever I'm eating. So. <laughs> Uh, it is funny though how stuff can kick you off the kids the other day it wasn't long it's was probably a year ago you remember those Andy Cap hot fries they used to have at vending machines yeah they, I think it's Andy Cap had the little goofy guy on the thing dude I used to kill those after every baseball practice I'd have to wait for my mom with the mellow yellow and the kids had them and I went and got a big one and ate the whole thing hey Jam Bam speaking of hoops he wants to know who wins the BOL staff basketball game uh, I guess we, I mean, what kind, what would the teams, I mean, me and you would get to pick the team, right? I mean, that's how that would work. First of all, I'd hire Shannon Terry back for a dollar. Oh, geez. Um, Absolutely. Played at loops. Left He's the baller. Yeah. I'm sitting on the sideline coaching him. Shannon, don't <laughs> I, son, don't miss the shot. Um, I don't know. I would give, I, I would rather go me and you against the youngsters. I don't think yeah. he can really are great basketball players, but they do, they are friggin' annoyingly young. So they're going to have some, uh, uh, yeah, but, but we're old guys. We'll cheat. You know, that, that's the thing about us, the, 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 the will to do anything to win, not just the will to win, but the will to do anything it takes to win. Right. I mean, I think that's where the difference comes in there. Hey, that reminds me. Have you seen the Cobra Kai show on Netflix? Did we discuss that? You know, that's one I have watched. I have gotten Dude. caught up on that. And look, I, I went into it thinking I'm probably going to spend 10 minutes on this. And then about seven hours later, I had binged it. You know, dude, love it. I love it. I know it's corny. I know it's goofy. The guy that plays Johnny's great, dude. He is I mean, he's guy. great. 
He is. He's fantastic. He looks. If you'd have asked me how Johnny grew up, I, I would have perfect. Said, it's perfect. I, I absolutely would have said that. So, I mean, I find myself rooting for Johnny during the whole show. Yeah, I mean, because I Daniel's, Daniel, Daniel's really turned in a stereotypical douchebag, if we're I being mean, honest. He's snobby. Yeah. He's snobby to be a kid yeah. from where, you know, be, you yeah. know from, from where he to be. I do like uh, uh, the storylines. They're excessive. They're a kid's story, but they, they're good. The old guy, Priest coming back is good. Do you like him coming back? I'm kind of in between. I, I don't think it needs Priest coming back. I didn't think it needed think, it, but I just don't know how much drama we can get with Johnny and Daniel. Yeah, when they really seemed like it was becoming time. repetitive. Just that trying to work. It was. And then yeah. you had that moment where, you know, they're at the Mexican restaurant hanging out, eating with their wives and dancing. So these guys aren't mortal enemies, no matter what we think. So you got to have a mortal enemy. You know, yeah. I'm, those two are going to team up to go against Crease. Uh which is what I hope, because that would that would be funny to watch and try to mix those two. I did, man. I got consumed with it, absolutely. And it's a, so, uh, good thing they did. It wouldn't shock me if more people went back to old shows and brought them back as they are now. Yeah, this one's done well. You know, there's been some television shows in the past where they've they've tried to to do the takeoff on the movie, and it just hasn't worked. But uh, this works, man. I, I got to say that. Hey, we're gonna wrap. Go ahead. No, I agree with you. Go ahead. We're going to wrap up the the mailbag here and the latest edition of the Bama Online Podcast. Abrell Bama 5818 asks, have we heard that Brian Branch, speaking of Brian Branch, we talked about him earlier, will start over Malachi Moore after Malachi Moore was defensive player of the week and freshman of the week. No, this past weekend. No, we haven't heard that. Now, Brian Branch may, again, as we said earlier, eventually find himself in a role of prominence in the secondary. But, Tim, I don't I don't think it's going to be over Malachi Moore, right? Nah, there's some discussion on the message board. Not that I've heard of. I mean, everything's been good about Moore. Obviously played a pretty good game out there. Branch is still – I don't think it's an either-or situation as we discussed other earlier. I don't think it's either Moore or Branch. I think you can get them both on the field. Um, but no, I have not heard that. I know there was some discussion on the message board. Um, you know, Saban, you know, does play games at keeping people humble. So, uh, it could be a simple situation, making sure Malachi doesn't get a big head. Uh, he got a lot of attention this week. I will say Malachi, he, he's, he's a good kid. I've known he's him. He's mature. He strikes me as mature. He, he's a, Tim. He, he's he a can good, handle it. And if you remember, he's had like, he was supposed to come in in December earlier, Alabama ran out of spots because of Najee and everybody coming back. So he had to actually wait till later to come in. So that makes the story even better. Also, he never flinched when when he had to wait. You know, he never, you know, griped. And and I've seen guys who had to defer enrollment, um, or gray shirt or blue shirt or whatever. I've seen them lose their I've seen them lose their minds. So I mean I saw William Vallejos when Alabama was going to end up gray shirting him simply because he wasn't going to start or wasn't going to play the first year. I mean, he almost went to FSU. And um, so, you know, props to Malachi. I think he's definitely mature. I think he worked hard. So, you know, I don't like, again, I don't think it's either or with Branch. Could be saving playing some mental games. I don't know. But all I've heard is good things. And I do know really good kid, you know, really good family. So I would be yeah. – if he had attitude issues. I, I would think if Branch is going to come into the mix strongly, that's more of a Daniel Wright, DeMarco Ellums type situation. Yeah. And safety he, and money. There's there's no question that uh, Branch is the better athlete among those three yeah. with, uh, with Ellums and with Wright. Now, that said, I don't think Wright runs as well as Branch, not athletic, but I mean, he's – Technique-wise, he's pretty good. He still has got to make better tackles. I mean, the one on the sideline was just – Yeah, you you as a redshirt junior, you can't be making true freshman mistakes or uh, just play the true freshman. To be honest, I mean, he's a true freshman, not getting that guy out of bounds, that's terrible. Yeah. I mean, he all you had to do was shoulder him. You could have did one of any ways. The guy was expecting to go out of bounds. So, yeah. you're right, he's a redshirt junior, you can't make that. So, he does have – some fundamentals, but technique wise, he needs, he seems to understand and know where he needs to be. Uh, still, you know, he, you know, I think his first game was like six tackles and a 
handful of missed tackles or something. I think I saw a statistic. So still got to get better there. But I think technique-wise, he understands it. But Branch, again, as I said, Branch is an athlete um, in a class full of really good athletes. He's as good as they they came, in my opinion. Yeah, if you're a fourth-year player at the safety position, you're likely there in large part because of trust that you have accumulated from the coaching staff. And so with that, you got to make the routine plays routine. You know, if you the pick six was great by Daniel Wright against Texas A&M, uh, but it's the it's the routine plays that will dictate your playing time as much as anything. You know, and that's in any sport. You know, if you're yeah. down ball at second, doesn't matter how great the overhead. Yeah. You can hit 225 as a second baseman yeah. if you make all the routine plays defensively, right? Absolutely. And we've, yeah, I mean, you know, this baseball season, I've seen the A's and I've seen the Padres second boot routine ground balls that led to huge innings for their opponent. Um, that's what started the Astros beginning in game one. The second baseman booted them. And look, mistakes happen. Um, but really, that's booting a ground ball, at a routine two-hop ground ball at second base, not getting that kid out of bounds. Yeah. I think he knows he has to do better there. And he's still getting learning experience, too. So, although he's been there, you know, longer, he's still, you know, this is, this is the most experience he's really got, has, isn't it? Yeah, it is, by far. So, I he's mean, still it's... learning from that standpoint. You know, stick your shoulder in there. Yeah. Well, you, you can't give up the sideline there. I mean, that the sideline is your leverage. I'm amazed the guy didn't go out of bounds. I mean, he was, oh, I mean, nice Smith had a hell of a game now. I mean, I mean that, he was he was a real problem. Yeah, that, for, that, for not just Daniel Wright, but everybody. So, no right. doubt. Hey Tim, this has been a fun one, man. Great catching up. Absolutely, we'll do it more often. Let's do it and let's uh, keep it locked. AbamaOnline.com. As we told you earlier, you can subscribe to the Bama Online podcast. Very simple. Wherever you consume podcasts, whether that's iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, you name it. We would certainly appreciate you subscribing to the pod. Leave a rating and a review while you're there. That would be much appreciated as well. We'll do it again. All right, we will. See you guys on the roundtable. For Tim Watts, Travis Schreier, hoping you have a great rest of your day. Keep it locked to BamaOnline.com for continuing coverage of the Crimson Tide. So long, everybody. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.